Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Good evening. Last night we began thinking together about the parables of Jesus. And the point that we were hoping to realize together was God's people should be persistent in prayer because God provides. We simply have to persist in making our petitions known to him and trust him, holding on to him because of his character, knowing that he's going to do what needs to be done at the right time. Tonight, I want to think with you about another parable, and you can find this one in all of the synoptic gospels, but I'll ask you to turn to the book of Mark in chapter four. Mark chapter four. The book of Mark is interesting because when you begin reading it, you should notice two things. One, The Bible tells us that the fame of Jesus is being spread abroad. You can see his reputation growing. You can see people becoming more and more aware of who he is and things are moving quite rapidly. That's the second thing. When you begin to read Mark's gospel, you will see that the Bible says he went down into the water and immediately the heavens opened up and a dove, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descends upon him. You'll see that when he comes out of the water, he immediately goes into the wilderness to be tempted. And after that, he immediately goes and begins to preach and teach the gospel. And after that, he immediately begins to cast out evil spirits and to perform miracles and so forth. You can see this sense of momentum building in Mark's gospel. But when you come to chapter four, the same thing, you should have that in your mind. The same thing has been happening. Now, Jesus is moving expeditiously to do what God has sent him into the world to do. And his reputation is growing and growing. When you come to Mark chapter four and verse number one, you'll see some evidence of that. In verse number one, the Bible says again, he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and set it on, set it on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables and in his teaching, he said to them. Now we'll read this parable, but you can see what's happening already. Jesus goes to a certain place and he opens his mouth and begins to teach and a crowd gathers around and, and Jesus, when this would happen, he would have to separate himself in some way. And when he was by the seaside, it seems that he had a custom of getting into a boat and launching out a small distance from the seashore so he could be some distance from the crowd and the crowd would sort of crush in up to the seashore to hear what he has to say. Now he has an audience and Jesus begins to teach them in parables. That was his custom. That seems to have been his favorite mechanism when he was teaching was to tell people these stories. He would lay down a story about something familiar, something they understood readily and well. And then he would help them to see the connection between that thing and the spiritual principle that he has in his mind. Well, here's the parable. 
Listen, he says in verse number three, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground or stony ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. When the sun rose, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding. Listen to it. Thirty fold and sixty fold and a hundred fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus lived in an agrarian society, and so when he told a story like this, everyone knew and understood how farming works. Maybe maybe some of you have a have a hobby of gardening as I do. Well, these folks knew all about gardening. They knew all about this kind of thing because this is how they subsisted. You know, they didn't go to grocery stores like we do. If they wanted food, they would plant the food they wanted. They would trade their goods for someone's goods who planted what they needed. This was an agrarian society. And so Jesus says uh, a sower went out to sow. And as he sows his seed, the seed falls on four different kinds of soil. You should understand that in this culture, when people would sow seed, they didn't do it the way that we might do it today. You know, if you've got a small if you've got a small plot in your backyard, you might actually go and and inspect the soil and sort of make a small hole with your finger or some tool and drop in two or three seeds and, and then move up another foot and do the same thing. They didn't do it that way. If you've got a big farm, you know, you may have some machinery that will do the sowing for you. They didn't have that kind of machinery. When a sower went out to sow, he would have a large sack of grain on his back. And he would go to the area where he wanted to produce some crop and he would reach his hand. He would plunge his hand into his sack and he would sling seed everywhere. You know, when you do it that way, you don't have complete control over where the seed falls. I mean, some of the seed, Jesus says, falls on the ESV, says on the path. The old version says on the wayside, you know, where you have these areas where uh, it's not really fully developed. People will, through their foot traffic, they will make a path. You know, if we keep walking in the same area and eventually the vegetation will not grow in that area because the soil will become compacted. And, and then over time, you can see the path. Well, Jesus says, when the sower sows, some of the seed falls on the path. Well, when you've got soil that's been compacted like that, you know, nothing's going to grow. And so when the seed falls on this soil, it just sets there right on the top. And I've seen this happen in my own garden. The birds are sitting there watching you sow. And when they see the soil, they see the seeds sitting on that compacted soil, they swoop right in and eat it up and take it away. And so the seed that falls on this this wayside soil, the seed that falls on the path, it's never going to bring any fruit. It's never going to bring any seed to maturity. You know why? Because seed cannot grow in areas like that. Some of the seed falls on the on the path. But then he says some of the seed falls on 
stony ground or rocky ground. Now, I've never seen it myself, but I'm told that over there in Israel, they have this sloping limestone. And so there's going to be some areas where it looks like it should be good and fertile ground, but just a few inches beneath that, it's stones. And what happens in areas like that, the seed will fall on the soil. It will penetrate, but only so far. And it will spring up very quickly because it can't go far down into the soil. But in order for a plant to prosper, you know this, it has to have a good, dependable root system. Well, if you're on stony stony soil, then the roots are not going to penetrate very far. They're going to hit that rock. They're going to hit that stone and they won't go any further. Now, it'll spring up very quickly. But Jesus says when the sun comes up and the heat from the sun begins to bear down on that plant, the plant is not going to make it. Why not? Because it doesn't have the depth that it needs to to draw the moisture and the nutrients that it needs to survive. The sun, you know this, the sun is instrumental in helping plants to thrive. But if the plant doesn't have an adequate root system, if it doesn't have adequate access to moisture, the sun that is supposed to help it to thrive will kill it right where it is. Jesus says, uh, The seed that falls in soil like this, it's never going to bring any fruit to maturity. The third kind, he says, some of the seed falls in an area that I might call the the weeds. Some of it falls in this thorny ground. That is to say the area hasn't been cultivated to receive seed. If it's not been cultivated well, there's still remnants of weeds, remnants of thorns in the soil so that when the seed hits the ground, it can penetrate and it can spring up and it can begin to grow. But you know what? Thorns have a tendency to grow more aggressively than the thing that you plant. I don't know if any of you ever garden, but but whatever it is that you're looking for. If you don't take the weeds out of the soil, they have this tendency to grow more aggressively than the thing that you plant. And they will sometimes wrap themselves around the thing that you want and choke the life out of it. Jesus says that's what happens to seed that falls in this thorny ground. The soil is fine. I mean, the roots can go down into the soil. But that seed is expected to share the ground with weeds and thorns. And those weeds will take nutrients from the plants, will take moisture from the plants. And if those weeds aren't dealt with, they will choke the life out of your plants. You know, I tell you, I don't have very many hobbies. I just don't have very much time. But I do like to garden. And sometimes I'll get so busy that I can't go out and tend my garden. And you can see the weeds trying to have their way. Whenever I'm able to go out and remove those weeds, this is not an exaggeration. Literally the next day I can see the difference that it makes. That plant seems to take off overnight when you remove those thorns, those weeds. Well, Jesus says this soil is thorny. It's got a lot of weeds in it. And so the seeds that are there are not going to bring any fruit to maturity. But you'll remember that our sower, he has this 
this sack of grain on his back. He's just slinging seed everywhere indiscriminately. And some of it is falling in areas that are just not going to be very productive. But then he says some seed falls in good soil. And the seed that falls in good soil, he says, does bring a return. It does bring a harvest. Fivefold. Tenfold. I mean, that'd be a bumper crop, wouldn't it? He says some thirtyfold. Some sixtyfold. Listen to it. Some a hundredfold. You've never seen that. He says, but when the seed finds good soil. It can bring a return like that. Question. What's the difference? Three kinds of soil, no return. One soil, he says, up to a hundredfold. What's the difference? Same sower. Same seed. Same sun. The soil makes all the difference. This is the parable that Jesus gives. And then he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Is there anyone who didn't have ears? He's speaking to this crowd of people. He's speaking to them so that they can hear. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Listen, some people will hear the words, but they will not be interested in the meaning. Some people will stop talking long enough to let Jesus say what he has to say, but they're not listening with their hearts. He says, he who has ears to hear. Those who want to understand, they should listen and they should understand and apply what Jesus is saying in this crowd that's listening to him his apostles are there some of his uh, faithful disciples are there and they don't all understand the point that Jesus is making listen they hear the story and no doubt they follow the story but they also know there's some point that Jesus is making and they don't quite understand Let's keep reading. Verse number 10. When he was alone, those around him with the 12, the apostles asked him about the parables. Now, he's he's given them many parables, but they ask him about the parables. And then Jesus is going to focus on this one. Verse number 11, he says to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Now, we said last night the theme in Jesus parables is the kingdom of God. What does it look like for God to reign and rule in your heart and in your life? He says to you, it is given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. Why did Jesus speak in parables? So that they may indeed see, but not perceive so that they may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now, here he's quoting from Isaiah chapter six, verses nine and ten. You remember in Isaiah chapter six, uh, the Bible says Isaiah has this vision of God being high and lifted up on his throne. And and he sees the cherubim there serving God and they're going to and fro doing what God wants done. And then he says that uh, Isaiah acknowledges his sin problem. And one of the seraphim takes a live coal and touches him on the mouth with it. And then he said, he says, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And then God deals with that. And then God says, 
whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And then God says to him, go and tell this people. See, you'll hear, but you won't understand. You'll see, but you won't perceive. Why would they hear and not understand? Why would they see and not perceive? Because they were hard hearted, stubborn people who didn't want to understand, who didn't want to perceive. Jesus says, I speak to people in parables because, you know, there are some people who want to know and want to understand like the disciples, like the apostles who will come to Jesus and ask him to explain what he's talking about. They want to know, they want to understand so they can make the application. But there are other people who are not actually interested in doing what God wants done. And so he gives it to them in parables so that people who don't really want to understand, it'll go right over their heads. People who don't really want to see, they'll miss it entirely, even though it's right before their eyes. And so he says, this is why he's speaking to them in parables. Now, then listen to what he says. He's going to give them he's going to give them the application. Now, he's told them the story. Now he's going to tell them, here's the application. Here's the thing you need to know and understand about the kingdom of God. And he says to them in verse number 13, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? There's a sense in which understanding this parable is a key to understanding everything else that he's had to say. The sower, he says, sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. These are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfaithful, unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30 fold and 60 fold and 100 fold. You know, when Jesus gives the application, that lessens the work on me. The sower, he says, sows the word. Now, you've got to think about this. He's going to send these people out into the world to sow the word. He's wanting them to use the broadcast method of sowing. He's not sending them into the world to be soil inspectors, to test all of the soil, to see whether it's good or whether it's thorny or rocky or wayside. He's not sending them out to inspect soil. He's sending them out to sow seed. And he wants them to use the broadcast method. They're not to pick and choose where to sow it. They're to go through life with a sack of grain, as it were, with the word of God strapped on their backs and to sow seed everywhere. You know what sowers do? They sow. That's their job. 
And he says, your job as a sower is to sow the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Now, when you do this, seed is going to fall on all kinds of soil. Some of it is going to be wayside. Some of it's going to fall on the path. Now, listen, you know, out in a field somewhere, because of the influence of people trampling all over the ground, the soil can become so compacted that it's not willing to receive seed. And Jesus disciples, when they go out into the world, they're going to find that there are some peoples whose hearts have been trampled on so much that they're so compacted that they're not willing to receive the word of God. Now, listen, it's not that they can't hear. It's not that they can't see. It's just that their hearts and their minds are so hard that the sea can't penetrate. And so it'll just sit there right on the surface. And then he says, and when the when Satan sees that, he comes along and just plucks that seed right off the surface of their hearts so that it cannot and will not penetrate and bear fruit. That's going to happen. That's disappointing. But that's going to happen. If the sower had time, you know what he would do? He would make sure that all the seed that he broadcasts falls only on certain kinds of soil. It doesn't have that kind of time. Some of it's going to fall on the wayside. Some of it's not going to bear fruit. Some seed, though, is going to fall on rocky soil. And Jesus says that the rocky soil is the kind of heart that doesn't have very much depth. Now, you've you've not seen this in your life, but I've seen this. You know, I, I've been privileged to to share the gospel with a few people. And sometimes I've taken months studying with somebody to see them sort of digest everything and understand it and make a commitment. And then there's sometimes where it seems like I can't even get all the words out before the person's trying to jump into the baptistry. And I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We got to we got to make sure we nail a few things down. See, there's some people who when they receive it, They receive it and immediately with joy, they want to do the things that they're reading about. And that's great. That's fantastic. But some of those folks don't have much depth. And that's why it springs up so quickly in their hearts. Now, here's the danger. As sure as the sun is going to rise, tribulation and persecution and difficulty because of the word are going to come. And so you study with the person and they say, listen, I. Well, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. And I want to be baptized. I want to give my life to God. And so they and so they are baptized. You know what? And then they go home and they've got a spouse that's asking them, what in the world have you done? You know, they go home and their parents will say, wait a minute now. We've been this other thing all of our lives. And now you have broken with our family. You're not welcome here anymore. Some people will obey the gospel and then they will go into work the next day and then they will figure out that I can no longer work in this kind of environment. I can't serve God faithfully doing this kind of work. Some people will obey the gospel and then as soon as they come around their friends again and they start to say to their friends, listen, I can't do this kind of thing anymore. I can't use that kind of language anymore. I can't drink that. I'm not able to smoke that. I want to give my life to God. Those people will begin to press in on them and there will be tribulation and persecution. Listen, it will come as sure as the sun is going to rise. And if a person doesn't have depth, 
You know what's going to happen. You see him Sunday. You see him Wednesday. You don't see him the next Sunday. Maybe you catch him Wednesday. And after that, nobody knows what happened to him. You can't find him anymore. Y'all have never seen that, see, but I have. And when you invest, you're studying with people. And you know how significant it is for a person to obey the gospel. And you rejoice with that person and you see the joy in their hearts when they receive it. And then persecution comes and they just. Well, their faith just shrivels up and dies. That's disheartening. That's discouraging. That's heartbreaking. Jesus knows that his disciples are going to see that. Some of the seed that they sow is going to fall in these thorny areas. You see, the stony areas are shallow. The faith looks really good, like immediately it looks really good, but but it's not going to last because the soil of the heart is just shallow. It's not going to last. Well, when the seed falls in these uh, thorny areas, these areas where there's lots of weeds, you see, the problem here is not that the soil is shallow. The problem here is that the person's heart is not prepared to give place to the word of God to do whatever it wants to do. The person's heart is only prepared to make enough room for the word of God to share its heart. See, you can't you, you can't have a bountiful harvest where you expect the thing you plant to grow along with the weeds and the thorns. You see, if the person's heart is not cultivated so that the weeds are removed, the person is not going to reach their full maturity. It just can't happen. It doesn't work that way. And so Jesus says, here's the problem. This person has the word of God. Yes, it goes into their soil. Yes, but in the soil, in the soil are the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this world. The person is not holding on to God, not hanging on to Christ with both hands. They've got one hand on Christ and and one hand on something else. You guys have maybe never seen this, but see, I have. It's the person who's only halfway committed. You know what that means, don't you? They're not committed. Jesus says, if you put your hand to the plow looking back, then you're not worthy. You're not fit. You can't be halfway committed. But I'm saying to you, he's telling his disciples that when you go out into the world and you broadcast the word of God, some seed is going to fall on the hearts of people who expect God to share their heart. See, a heart like that's not going to reach full maturity. A heart like that is not going to bring God a return. Three of the four soils that Jesus mentions bring no fruit to maturity. If you're a gardener, if you are a sower, that's not very encouraging. I mean, the whole point of sowing, the whole point of sowing is to reap a harvest. 
And when you realize that three of the four surface areas are not going to bring a harvest, that can be pretty discouraging. Jesus says some of the seed, though, some of it. Is going to fall on good ground. Thank God for good ground. Some of the seed is going to fall on good ground. And this is ground that is not so compacted. The heart is not so compacted that that the word of God can't penetrate. This is soil that is not so shallow that the word of God can't go into it and its roots have full range. This is soil that is not expecting the word of God to share it. This is a heart that's wide open to the word of God and will allow the word of God to have free course. This is a heart that is prepared to root out anything that would compete with the word of God. And Jesus says, when the good seed, when the word of God finds this soil, it will, it will, it will bring a return. Now, all the return won't be the same. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Thank God for good ground. Because there is good ground in the world. Can I tell you that what can happen to us is we can become so jaded because most of what we see is not bringing a return. Can I tell you that we will have so much interaction in our lives with the wayside and with the stony ground and with the thorny ground that we will forget that there is good soil out there. We will give up on sowing because we think sowing doesn't work. The seed is the same. The seed is the same. If there's ever a problem, it will not be that there's something wrong with the seed, the word of God. If something isn't happening, can I tell you the first place that there could be a breakdown is with the sower because he's supposed to have a sack of grain on his back and he's supposed to go through life slinging seed everywhere. But if the sower becomes discouraged, the seed will set there in his bag and none of it will ever bring God a return. If you sow. If you sow. You're going to experience disappointment. But the reason that you experience disappointment is because you don't understand what success is. For the sower, success is sowing the seed. The sower has no control over the soil. What happens with the seed is between God who gave us the seed and the heart of the person who has received it. That's between that person and God. My job, though, is to sow the seed. Can I tell you? Everyone's not going to obey the gospel. Romans 10 and 16, not everyone is obeyed. Can I tell you that most people will not obey Matthew chapter 7, 21 to 23. Most people will not obey. So if we define success as how many people we can see obey the gospel, we're missing it. 
What's the sower's job? What's the sower's job? You see, when the sower sows, he's done his job. Paul said, I planted. Apollos watered. Who gave the increase? First Corinthians chapter three and verse number six, who gave the increase? All Paul could do was plant. All he could do was sow. The increase is between the person who receives the word and God who gave it. Success for the disciple is sowing the seed, slinging seed everywhere, the broadcast method. I wonder why, uh, I wonder why Jesus is giving this parable to his disciples. He said to them that if they would follow him, he would make them fishers of men. You remember, he says to them, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized is going to be saved. He that believes, who does the believing? The one who receives the word is the one who does the believing. He that believes and is baptized, who has to submit to baptism? The one who receives the word has to submit to baptism. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. Who does the saving? God does all the saving. Those who don't believe will be condemned. Who does the condemning? God does all the condemning. The only thing his disciples were responsible to do was to go into all the world and sow the seed of the gospel to every creature. As long as they did that, they were successful. Christians should be faithful in sowing the seed of the word of God because we know that God gives the increase. You may be like me in that sometimes you're concerned that our churches are not growing quite the way they should, at least not the way they have in the past. And when you think about why that is, I think sometimes we decide that the problem is that people don't want to hear it. I think we decide that it's our job to sort of inspect soil to see what kind of soil it is. And maybe if we can find what we think of as good soil, then well, then we can drop a seed. And most days we go through our lives doing all of whatever it is that we're doing and we just never find any good soil. So we never sling any seed anywhere. That's the biggest problem. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but what? The laborers are few. Don't worry about the soil. Don't worry about the fact that most people you run into are not going to hear it or they're not going to listen and follow it long enough to bear fruit. That's not your job. Your job is to sow. Have you been sharing the gospel with people? When is the last time you sat down at your kitchen table, knee to knee with a neighbor, your Bible opening in your lap, their Bible open and in their lap, and you just read the word of God. When is the last time? I say to you, 
evangelism works. You just got to understand what working means. Working doesn't mean that people run into this building right past you and jump in the baptistry. That's not what it means. It means you just sling seed everywhere, knowing that a lot of that seed is going to fall on surfaces that are not going to be very productive. But there will be some and you don't know which seed, which seed is going to find that soil. There will be some that will bear returns 30, 60 or 100 fold. And you will never know which soil that's going to be. That's between that person and God. So Andrew, when he meets Jesus, he goes and finds his brother, Peter. And Peter comes and he becomes the foremost among Jesus disciples, as best we can tell. Jesus is the one who preaches the gospel on the day of Pentecost. Now, all the apostles were preaching, but Peter is preeminent in that preaching. He's the one who goes and shares the gospel with the Gentiles, opens the kingdom up to everyone beyond the Jews and the Samaritans. You know, when Andrew said to him, we've found the Christ, he didn't know that all that was going to happen. You never know. I've seen people who were living a riot of a life, run into the gospel of Jesus Christ, have their lives radically changed and become the most fervent and dedicated servants that I've ever seen. I've seen that. Couldn't have predicted it. When I, uh, when I was in law school, I knew, I knew nothing about the Bible, really. I had gone to a Jesuit school for college, and so we took all these religious classes. Never opened the Bible, by the way, but, but took all these religion classes. And so when I got to law school, my wife, now my wife, you know, she was there. She grew up going to uh, church services and so forth. And she would encourage me, like, you know, listen, you should come to church with me. Listen, I told her, church is on Sundays, So that's not going to happen. I wake up in the morning and I start watching football and I watch football all day on Sunday. It's not going to happen. She was polite about it. She was kind about it. And she kind of, yeah, you should think about this. You should do that. And I said, listen, it's not going to happen. One day I made a decision for myself. Now, this is after about almost five years of knowing her. I made a decision for myself to read the Bible. I started at the book of Matthew this time because I'd started before at Genesis. You know, by the time you get to Revelation, uh, Leviticus, you kind of tap out. You know, you don't understand what's going on there. Or I'd had conversations in college, you know, people talking about the Bible and stuff. And so they'd say something about Revelation. You jump over there and your mind is blown. You don't know what's going on. This time I started at the book of Matthew, just read for myself. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John met Jesus for the first time. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John met Jesus for the first time, read through the New Testament. I knew from reading through the New Testament, I was not a saved person. It's just not that complicated. Jesus says you got to be baptized. I'd never been baptized. He says, well, listen, you can't do this. And Paul's got these lists. Everybody who's done all these things here, they won't inherit the kingdom. I'm like, well, I've done about five or six of those things. I must be in bad shape. So it wasn't that hard to figure out. I say to her. I'm going to have to go to somebody's church. See, I knew what I'd read. I just didn't know where to find what I was reading 
in my community. I didn't know where to find it. I mean, I could see what needed to happen, but I didn't know where to find it. She says, well, I've been inviting you to church with me for five years. You ought to come with me. I said, "Okay, I will. Now, what I'm saying to you is when I first met her and she's inviting me to come to church with her or to read the Bible. See, she couldn't have predicted what all was going to happen. She's just doing what God expects her to do. She's just slinging seed everywhere. She's just broadcasting. It's not just me. She's she's inviting people to come to services and so forth. And that seed happened to find my heart. It's kind of like Andrew and Peter, you know, whatever good Peter did, that fruit abounds to Andrew's account because Andrew is the one who introduced Peter to Jesus. Whatever good might come from my life, it abounds to my wife's account. She's the one who introduced me to the church here on earth. She showed me where to find it. Brothers and sisters. We need to be more liberal in our sowing. Let's not make any excuses. It's not about the soil. We don't control the soil. We all have the word of God and we hold on to it too much. Every day God allows you to wake up, your goal should be to empty your sack and let the seed fall wherever it may. God gives the increase. Liberal in our sowing. Because God gives the increase. Jesus is the word of God, is the son of God. He is the word of God, but he's the son of God. The Bible says God looked down on us and he saw that we were in an undone condition. That's to say he made us upright and we sought out many evil inventions. Every one of us has transgressed the will of God. Every one of us has sinned in some way or another. The way you've fallen short may not be the way I've fallen short. But here's what we have in common. We've all fallen short and we can't do anything to fix it. That's why God moved. He sent Jesus into the world. Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life. He showed us what it means to be right with God. He showed us that. And because we couldn't stand to look at his perfection, we killed him. We thought it better to kill him than to look into the face of God wrapped in human flesh. But because he's the son of God, you see, the Bible says death couldn't hold him. The father raised him up. And that shows us that death is just a comma. See, death is not the end. Death is just a comma. If we want to be right with God, if we want to live beyond death with God in eternity, we have to believe in Jesus. We'll have to change our ways, of course, because our sin is the problem. We have to turn away from our sin. That is, we have to repent of it. We confess Jesus with our mouths. We're baptized in water for the remission of our sins. God clears our sin debt. We are born again and we can go on to live New lives in Christ. See, that's the seed. We need to do that ourselves. And we need to share that with other people. A lot of people won't receive that. But a lot of people will. We don't get discouraged because of the people who won't receive it. We're encouraged by the people who will. If you not obey the gospel, we invite you to do that. I mean to say, if you've not been baptized for the remission of your sins, we invite you to do that. You can do that tonight.
if you've already been baptized to have your sins washed away. But you know you've been out of duty. You haven't been faithful. You haven't been sowing the way you should. Change your mind. God is gracious to us. You know, he gives us more time than we deserve. He's gracious to us. If you haven't been sowing the seed the way you should, change your mind. No excuses. Change your mind and broadcast the word of God. If we can help you tonight, please let us know how we can. We'll stand and sing this song of invitation. If we can help you, please let us know how we can. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.